0: Amen. I, uh, as we finish up this series in the book of Galatians, the, the thing that I, I think every single one of us struggle with in our walk with the Lord, no matter how long you've been walking with Christ, is this idea of how do I overcome the flesh? How do I overcome these desires that I had before I was a believer? And Paul, in this last chapter, in these last couple chapters, specifically as we di- dive into chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul is looking at, at our hearts and the, the, the battle of our flesh and how do we overcome that besides just, you know, so many times we'll just have willpower, just, you know, just get over it, stop, stop doing it. And, and I think there's something more that God is trying to show us that it's more than just stop doing something. It has to be replaced with something. How many know you can stop doing something and then start doing something else that's just as bad? And what we are, I think it was Martin Luther who said that our, our hearts are just idol factories. They just are. So we, we exchange one idol for the next. But if we're not replacing it with something, something greater, a greater satisfaction from God, then we're going we're gonna to go right back to something else. We just replace it with something else that can be just as, 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 as devious. And, and, and I, I think about that. Have you ever just done the same mistake over and over again? And, and you know better. You're like, I know I'm not supposed to do this. And you just do it again. I remember as a kid, um, we would like to make bike jumps and, and, and jump. Because when I grew up a- as a kid, um, we, we grew up watching this guy. Remember this guy? Remember? Yeah. I mean, he, Evel Knievel pretty much broke every bone in his body. So as a kid, you know, I had the, I mean, I the evil Knievel uh, motorcycle that you revved up. And then you'd let the thing go and it would make its own jumps. I remember that thing. You'd, and you'd let the thing go. I mean, I loved that, that, that toy. So, so we're like, we want to be like Evel Knievel. We want to make these jumps. And of course, when I was a kid, we didn't have helmets. We didn't wear helmets. I know what you're all thinking. Makes a lot of sense now, right? So a lot of crashes in our street, right? And so you would think to yourself, after the 50th crash... Without a helmet, you'd think we'd get it as kids, but we're like, no, this is cool. Let's 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 do it this thing again and and for Evil Knievel, he never learned and he kept doing it and you know, jumping over the snake river and some modified motorcycle caps death capsule. We don't know what that thing was, but he tried it and but he would do it over and over again. And I think th- it's been said insanity is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results. It just is. So what wh- What what do we need to learn here? What's the thing that you're doing over and over again? What are you going back to? And and so I think we need to think to ourselves. You know, you ever think you just you 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 lose something like you lose your car keys and you're like, okay, so the next time, okay, we can take evil down. Everybody say bye to evil. See you, evil can evil. Good job. You ever think about your, 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 your car keys? Like you always lose your, okay, okay, I'm going to put my car keys in the same spot. And then you end up losing them or your cell phone. I mean, I've ever ever lost your cell phone and you're like, what, what did I do with it? Where did I put it? And it was like, you know, it was like two seconds ago. And if, if, if you ever want your cell phone broken, just give it to my daughter, Lily. She's the queen of broken cell phones. She's broken more cell phones than anybody on the face of the earth. And so there's these things. Maybe it's procrastination. Maybe it's, it's, it's dating the wrong person over and over again. Maybe it's, it's spending too much money. Um, so, so why do we make the same mistakes and, and don't learn from our past mistakes? You know, Shouldn't we learn from our past mistakes? Well, there's something interesting here. Studies have shown that our brains... Don't always learn from our past mistakes as much as we think. In fact, there was one study that was done on this. And the one study had people look at their past spending before shopping. And what they would do is they would show them their credit card statements and here's everything you spent. And they would just be like, oh, I can't believe I just don't realize how much I'm spending. And so they would show this to him before they would go out shopping again, hoping this would curb the overspending from the past. And do you think that helped? No, because reminding people of their past spending mistakes didn't keep them from doing it all over again. What the study showed that there was this feeling like I'm a failure, which only produced guilt and condemnation and only to encourage people to actually make More mistakes. So what does this show us? Well, this shows us we need to be saved from ourselves. We need help. And so we're digging into this letter of of Galatians. We're finishing up this week. And and Paul is writing to a group of Christians who who are at the risk of trying to gain God's acceptance by what they did and not completely relying on the grace of God uh, who accepts them. And so Paul writes this letter to warn the church about these false teachers who were corrupting the message of grace by saying that it was more about what you did and mixing with your faith in Christ. So they said you have to have faith in in Christ and by God's grace, but then you had to do these certain works, observe these certain ordinances or observe these certain festivals or do this certain thing in order to be complete in Christ. But here, here's the thing I I, want to say to you. And this is the thing we've been reiterating over the past couple weeks, trying to gain God's acceptance apart from grace will always, will always, always be an empty pursuit. Always. If we're trying to accept, if we're trying to get God's acceptance through, through what I do and not by, and not by God's grace, it will always be an empty pursuit. Why? Because we'll always make mistakes. How many of you make mistakes? All of us make mistakes, don't we? We, we make mistakes and we'll always feel like we're not measuring up. And, and one day uh, we'll, we'll feel good about ourselves. Only the next day to feel like we're a huge disappointment To God. So how, here's the question, how do we live for God and not allow our past mistakes to define us? How do we live for God and not ourselves? How can we actually please God in a way that's honoring to him and not lifting up myself or not trying to honor him by all the good works that that, that I do in my life so that it makes me feel good about myself? How do we truly honor God and so that we are truly satisfied in him? and overcome this battle of our own flesh. Well, let's look at Galatians chapter 5. I want to look at what Paul says here and I want to look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 and then we're going to we're going to look at verses 13 through 25. So you have got your Bibles, you can turn there. You, you can use the Bibles in your pew if you want to. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. You can take that home with you. You can look up at the screens. Well, let's see what let's see what Paul says here in the book of Galatians. First in ver, verse 1, he says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And then let's look, let's look down at verse 13. He says, you, my brothers, were called to be what? Free. free. You were called to be free. But then he says, here's, here's Paul's caution. But don't use your freedom to indulge in this sinful nature. So what is Paul saying there? There's that sinful nature that we're warring against still in our lives, even as we are new creations in Christ Jesus. He says, serve one another. So rather serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Great. Great, great words there. So, what is the life by the Spirit? Here's what Paul says. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desire what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in actual conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So what he's saying is if you go back to the law to try to please God, you're actually under slavery. It's actually, it's actually going to be a weight on your life. It's going to, it's going to chain you to your past. And, he's, and then now he gets really specific with what what the sinful nature, with the acts of the sinful nature. He, here's the fruit of, of the sinful nature. He said, they're, they're obvious. So Paul says, they're obvious. So don't think there's something, something that's hidden or you don't know what they are. They're, they're obvious. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warned you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, But Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Everybody say amen to God's word. Okay, so what what are we seeing here? Th- these verses have some good news and they've got some bad news. And and what I want you to understand here is that what, what Paul is saying is, For those that are in Christ, Jesus sets us free from the slavery of sin. We are no longer slaves to it. We don't have to be slaves to it. Everybody say amen. So so this is what Christ does for us, the power of Christ in us. Through the forgiveness of Christ, we are made right before God, through his grace. Amen. So sin no longer has has its stranglehold on me. But Paul gives this warning. He says, Understanding that Christ has forgiven you and that you're set free from that and your position in God now is one of, of a righteous position. that You can now stand before a Holy God. But then Paul gives this warning. He says, listen, you better stand firm. Stand firm. Because you need to protect the freedom that you now have in Christ. So, so what this is telling us, there's something that we need to. To do. The word stand firm there is actually a military word. It combines the idea of keeping alert, resisting attack, and, 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 and sticking together and being strong. So we have this freedom in Christ. He has saved us, but we must be alert. We can never let our guard down. Have you ever watched a movie and, and, and you, there's someone, there's some evil villain in the movie, and, and you think that evil villain is done, they've died. And then that person slowly walks away and you're saying, they're not dead. They're going to come back. And all of a sudden they start walking away and they grab their leg or something. And you're like, man, I let my guard down. Then there's another 10 minutes of the movie. You always know it's going to happen because that's a part of every villain movie. See, what Paul is saying is don't let your guard down. How many know that we live a life that's a life that's actually a battle? That that the enemy is actually a roaring lion is described for us in the Bible, seeking to whom he may devour. Who does he want to devour? Us. He wants to devour us. He wants to trip us up. He wants us to go back into that slavery of that sin again. And so what Paul is saying, don't let your guard down. Now, we, we've, got this, um, we've got this puppy. We got a, a new puppy it was a couple months ago. And her name is Tulip. I got, a, I got a picture of Tulip up here. Here's a picture of Tulip. There's Tulip. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. You say that now. She's a demon dog, okay? She needs to be, demons need to be exercised out of her, okay? Because she gets into everything. She, our other dog, we had never chewed anything. She chews everything. Just, we got to watch her. But that's our dog. So she's, she's got to be on a leash, Okay. Now, the other dog we had, I could go on a walk, and I didn't have to leash her. She was trained right with me. would be trained and and really well. Not not Tulip. So Tulip, you know, you got to... So one day, we're at my brother and sister-in-law's, and I go, I'm going to just let Tulip out in the front and see if she just goes to the bathroom and comes back. I, I think she can do it. So what do I do? I let her out in the front. I got my slippers on, so I'm watching her, and all of a sudden, she just takes off. And she's going behind the neighbor's yard. She's like three streets over. And I'm running through everybody's backyard in my slippers, right? So people are thinking, what is this crazy guy doing running through? So, so thank God, my niece Lydia, she's like the dog whisperer. She gets on her bike and, and kind of is trying to head off Tulip from getting hit by a car. So she takes off on her bike and she just yells out, do you want a cookie? <laughs> Boom! Stopped right in her tracks. I'm like, Lydia, you are the dog whisperer. You are the best. So we finally, we got Tulip. We picked her up. Nothing happened. But what Tulip did was she abused her freedom. Because the minute she did not have a leash on, whew, and that happened to Kathleen one time. So we've, we've got a leash We love Tulip, but Tulip abused her freedom, and she was a very, very naughty, naughty puppy. So we're having fun. We're thinking ourselves, why did we do this? What were we thinking? So we are in that puppy phase. So here's what, what, what Paul's warns us. of. Here's what Paul does. Here, here's what he does. He goes, into verse, he goes into verse 13. And he says, listen. He says, don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. So, so here's the bad news. The bad news is even though we're in Christ, we are free, we are forgiven, we're promised heaven, we still have to battle the flesh. We still have to battle those sinful desires, the things that can cause us to go back and make those mistakes given into the flesh. And this is a mistake we can make over and over again. And so Paul says, in no way should we use our freedom in Christ to actually cause us to sin. In fact, the opposite should occur if we... Understand the grace that we've been given. It should should cause us to actually serve one another in love. Because if you're backbiting each other, if you're fighting, something's wrong. You're given into the flesh. So what Paul will do is he'll explain the difference of one who's truly free and one who is not. So what's the difference? What's the difference between one who's truly free in Christ and one who is not? And what Paul's saying, it's not the person who is led by the law. That's going to lead you into slavery. The person who who is truly free, is the one who is led by the Spirit. So how are we led by the Spirit? Because when we come to Christ, we are filled with His Spirit. How do we yield to the Spirit of God so that we please God in our desires and, and we don't go back to, to, to the flesh and, and the things that were in my old life? You see, this is, the, the problem is when I'm free, Paul says, don't let it give you license to, to do what would be pleasing to the flesh? I mean, kids when they go off to college, they they have this they have this problem, right? They're they're under the you know tutelage of their parents. They're under their household. All of a sudden, they go off to college and think, "Whoa, I got this license. My parents, I, I can do whatever I want. My parents don't know what I'm going to do. I can make my own choices." And then, guess what? You can make a lot of bad choices in your freedom. And Paul says, "Don't." make these bad choices in your freedom because what you think is going to cause you to be free could actually destroy you could could actually lead you completely astray so this isn't just a don't do this don't do that Paul's saying no this is guarding your heart and your life from a life that could be destroyed and so Paul is going to get very specific in what is pleasing to God and what isn't. So I believe we need to hear and understand this in our world today. So let me make this crystal clear for you today. God's word does not change because our culture changes. It does not change. And as hard as it is for us to understand these things or battle through these things, we've got to take it for face value and understand the reason why these stipulations are here is for our protection. That's why they're there, because they will lead us astray. And so here's the question Paul will address. If I know God's love for me in Christ, if I know what Jesus accomplished for me on the cross, if I know the grace that saved me, even though I don't deserve it, then why would I use my freedom in Christ to indulge in the sinful nature again? Why would I want to abuse his grace that he has given me? So Paul's Paul warning here is, is that there's this struggle within us now that we are followers in Christ, because now we know this is wrong. So that's where the struggle comes in. And some people have said, you know, man, since I've been following Jesus, it's been really hard. Why? Because all of a sudden now the light is shined on your waywardness and your sin. And now there's the struggle to say, no, I shouldn't do that. Before we used to give into it and actually indulge in it and not worry about it. Everybody else is doing it. The world's doing it. Party, whatever. This is great. All of a sudden, you become a follower of Jesus Christ, and you all of a sudden you have this conviction of the Spirit within you that light and darkness don't mix anymore. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't. This is convicting now. That's good. That's okay, because that means the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And so, what he's saying is, Saint Paul is saying we have these two natures at work in every Christian: the Spirit and the sinful nature, or our our flesh. It's it's part of our heart that that needs renewing from god the the best way i can illustrate this conflict within us is is when jesus went uh to lazarus and 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 lazarus was dead for multiple days and lazarus you know they didn't embalm and so lazarus was stinky i mean he was dead he was dead 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 and jesus waited mary martha like if you just came earlier you know lazarus would have you could have healed him he could he you know he'd be alive today why didn't you come earlier And so jesus waited for a reason. So Jesus comes, and what does he do? He raises Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come out! Lazarus comes out out of the tomb with his grave clothes on. He comes out of his tomb, stinky, with his grave clothes on, right? Perfect illustration of our life in Christ. We are new in Christ. He has made us alive through the spirit. But guess what? We still have our stinky grave clothes on. That's the battle we're fighting. We're fighting this battle within us to yield to God's spirit or yield to the flesh. And Paul is saying, as a believer in Christ, we can yield to the spirit. We all, get fr- How many you know, we all get frustrated at times. We lose our patience. We say things we ought not to. That's our sinful nature. When those times happen, it reminds us that we need Christ, that he's still working on us. It's our opportunity to humble ourselves before God and find forgiveness. Everybody say, man, that's the hope that we have. So I have to say, I have to realize I've got this old self and and I've got this new self. And so what is at the heart of this battle? At the heart of this battle is my desires. That's the heart of the battle is my desires now. A desire of one over the other. A sinful desire It's not just a desire, but it's this uh, inordinate desire. It's a desire that says, I must have this. It's it's an all-controlling desire. And that's what we're battling with. This desire to have it my way or the highway. My desire to always be in control and to have it my way. Or this desire to submit to Christ and be a servant. We all battle with that. Let's be honest. Those are the desires that we're battling with. And so the spirit within us desires for us to ultimately please and actually conform to Christ. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean you're never going to make mistakes. But there's this process of sanctification that happens in our life. Yes, when I come to Christ, he sanctifies us. He imputes Christ's righteousness into my life. That if I were to die that day, I could stand before a holy God and God would allow me to come into his presence. But how many know we're still fighting the flesh and there's this process of sanctification. It's like an onion. You keep peeling back that onion. I hope and I pray that when you look at your life, you could look two years ago and say, man, I used to do that, but today I don't do that anymore. See, that's the process of the Holy Spirit working in your life and yielding to the Spirit that hopefully you're growing in your walk. Lord. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to irritate each other in a good way. Not to irritate each other in a bad way, but to have conversations. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So somebody may say something like, that really irritates me. And then you start thinking about it, but you know what? They're right. <laughs> They're right. That was a bad attitude. I shouldn't have said that. You know, I should, put, I should have put a little filter on my mouth, and I didn't. I just said what I wanted to, right? Boop. He said, listen, listen. We all, when you think back on something you say, you say, I shouldn't have said that, right? We all have filters, right? We all got our Christian ease. We know the right things to say, right? We all, we all, but what happens is when something pops through that filter, when you get upset, what is it? It's like, oh, I messed up. No, there's something deeper going on in your heart. So, so when you blow it you get irritated, you say something. Just don't say, oh, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. Just say, God, is there something deeper in my heart that you want to deal with? Why am I so frustrated? Is it just because people can't drive in New York? Right? Is that, is that the only reason? And then you get so frustrated, you're mad at everybody. There, you know what? There's something deeper going in your heart that you're not actually satisfied in God. Because if we're really satisfied in Christ, you're driving along. Oh, okay, praise the Lord. You, you, you're, you're an idiot. You don't know how to drive, but just praise the Lord. Thank you, G. You keep listening to your music. You know, amazing grace. Okay, you cut me off. So, how sweet the sound, right? I hope you're saved. Okay, I hope you're not. Right? See, the the problem is not other people. The problem is us. It's our desires. Are we truly satisfied? In God. And so we, when we mess up, I now have this hope. I know it isn't me. It isn't what God wants for me. And I know I need to change. And for anyone who's not sure about what the work of the flesh is, Paul gets very specific. So let me run through the work of the flesh here, because this, this hits us all verses 19 through 21. Paul will show both actions and attitudes of the flesh that we, tend to, that we tend to make more of, of actually these issues than, than the, and downplay the attitudes that we'll see uh, that Paul talks about later. But both are equal and costly to the family of God and can divide uh, the body of Christ. And so Paul uses these words to describe how the, how the work of the flesh and, and, and when it comes to sexuality, he says that they're obvious. He says, none of you should be surprised by this. And he talks about sexual immorality. It's actually the word pornea in the Greek to where we get the word pornography, which basically, it was kind of a broad word that, that literally mean anything, any, any, anything outside the bonds of marriage between a husband and a wife is considered sexual immorality, period. You can argue with me all day long, that's what it means. Because that's the work of, of the flesh, any sexual activity outside the bonds of marriage is sexual immorality. That's what Paul, because Paul was dealing with a very immoral society that they, these Christians were living in, so he had to get very specific with them. That's the work of the flesh. And so what he says is impurity, which means unnatural sexual practices and relationships, debauchery, which is which is just uncontrolled, unrestrained in my sexuality. Um, Paul talks about drunkenness in the same way. The abuse of a substance, uncontrolled, led astray. Paul talks uh, of the flesh, and and, and by trying uh, to know that. Listen, here are things—not only these sexual things, which is very obvious—but he said there's these other things that are just counterfeit to knowing God and and knowing things trying to find God through a different spiritual means. And he talked about, he talks about idolatry, witchcraft are are speaking to specific occultic and pagan religion, religious practices. This is counterfeit to knowing God. But then Paul describes So We can look at those and say, well, ah, I'm, I'm doing okay there, pastor. I'm not struggling with a lot of those things. But then, then Paul gets these, and these are just as bad. Paul describes how the flesh can destroy relationships. I want you to understand, in, in, in those verses that we read, Paul is talking about our relationship to one another, how the flesh can actually destroy our relationships. And he uses eight words to describe this. Five have to, have to do with our attitude and how destructive they are. So here, 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 here are the first five. He talks about selfish ambition. This is when it's always about me. It's always about me. I've got to have it my way. That's, that's selfish ambition, work of the flesh. There's envy. Envy is wanting what others have. He talks about jealousy. What's the difference between envy and jealousy? Envy is wanting what others have. Jealousy is I don't like what others have. I don't like when other people succeed. So jealousy comes up when you see your neighbor pull in in a new car. You're like, man, they got a new car. What's up with that? Still driving my car. They have hydraulic mud flaps and I don't. What's up with that? There's no such thing as hydraulic mud flaps by the way, just so some of you were thinking if there was. Then there's hatred and this this literally is hostile constantly in conflict with one another fits of rage. This is blowing your top, outburst of anger just out of control. But then he describes three things that can so easily work its way into the body of Christ. And I want you to notice the progression. He talks about discord, dissension, and factions. What are these three things? We need to understand this because this is the the progression that can that can divide every single church if we are not careful. And Paul lists these with all the other works of the flesh. Discord is this. Discord is always wanting to pick a fight. It's always, the person's always controversial argumentative, nitpicky, that's discord. And then, and then it leads into the next thing, which is dissension. This is actually creating division between people. It may be covert, but it's saying things like, hey, what did you think about the changes? Just throwing it out there. What do you think? And then that person may agree with you. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it goes into the third thing, which is factions. It's dividing into camps or groups of warring people. Paul said, work of the flesh. It starts out so innocent. It starts out just like, oh, you know, hey, hey, I'm just the way I feel, man. The way I feel, man. Yeah. How do you feel about it? when it has nothing to do with the gospel or anything else? And what it ends up doing is ends up creating divisions. and And then you form these little camps of people. And what it ends up doing is dividing the church. And let me tell you, I've been pastoring too long, too long to know what's at the root of all of it. And what's at the root of all of it is nothing spiritual. What's at the root of all of it is I'm not getting my way. It's preference. It's all it is. I want it done a certain way. It's not done my way or I don't like this and I want my opinion known. And what it ends up doing is it creates division within the body. And, and, and Paul's saying that's a work of the flesh. He's saying let's not, let's not bite each other's backs. Let's not, let's not get into these argumentative things that have nothing to do for the gospel's sake. What are we doing to serve one another? What are we doing to lift each other up? What am I doing to let go of my... Uh, priorities and let, maybe let go of my liberties is, is for the sake of the betterment of the whole body. And so what, what Paul does is, is Paul juxtaposes the work of the flesh with the work of the spirit. And this is how we guard our lives from being led by the spirit. So how do we do it? How do we guard our, our lives from, from being led by our flesh and going back to the mistakes that I make under my old self? Well, here's what he says. Paul says, we're to live by the spirit, And basically, in so many words, he says this, what you feed grows, what you starve dies. Very simple. What are you feeding? What's your life feasting on? It's a choice we make. The spirit of God lives in us and we can yield to that power each and every day. What makes you alive is God's spirit within you. That's what makes you alive is God's spirit within you. So, what 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 makes for a healthy apple tree? When you look at an apple tree and you look at its fruit, what's the thing that made that fruit healthy? It's the tree, right? It, you, you you can't you can't take a dead stick and then try to tie. That is a good-looking apple, by the way. And it's real, by the way. If I tie this, it, is that tree still dead? Is there any life in that tree? Well, wait a minute. There's a nice, healthy apple hanging on it. You, 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 can't, you can't make this dead stick come alive by putting a healthy apple on it. And here, I, this is a here's what we do. <laughs> Philly, this is a nice little woo. Okay. Point at everybody. Feel like a teacher. So here's what we do. Here's what we do. The way we try to compensate for the spirit is by saying, "I'll just go to church. I'll try to use the right words. I'll carry my Bible around. I'll do my Bible says. All those things are great things. But you know what? They're all outwards. Look how good I look. I carry my Bible. I say the right words. I don't cuss. I don't do these things. I come to church. I look so good on the outside. And there's so many people that live by that, but they're dead inside. They're dead. They're not really led by the spirit because those are the exact same people that Jesus encountered in the Pharisees. They looked great on the outside. They did all these religious things on the outside, but they were dead on the inside. There was not true fruit being produced In their life. See, the life of God within us is seen in the fruit that is being produced in our lives. And what it is, is growth is gradual. As we grow in Christ, it will be seen in our life. So I should be able to look back over my life and say, wow, two years ago I acted like this, but now I have changed. I used to fly off the handle there, but I don't do that anymore. This is a direct work of God working in you to produce the correct fruit of the spirit. See, I stop myself now. I see my unhealthy patterns in my life. Does this mean I'll never mess up? Of course not. But as I grow in Christ, I will see a need to offer forgiveness. I don't hold grudges any anymore. When I say something that that might seem like gossip, I say that was wrong and I need forgiveness for that. Do you see the do you see the heart change that begins to happen in our life? See, True fruit can only be seen through adversity. Spiritual growth is tested through trials. So here's the thing. Next time you're tempted to lose control, thank God right away. It's an opportunity to see that you're actually growing. See, I want you to notice something that Paul is saying at the end of this chapter. He said the purpose for living by the Spirit is not just to say, look at how I'm growing. I'm better than you. Nah, 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 right? That's not the purpose. The purpose of it is to keep us from pride and becoming conceited, Paul says there in those last verses. Thinking that we are better than others is not the purpose of my growth in Christ. Living by the Spirit will create unity within The body of Christ. And so I have to look at my life and say, what is the true fruit? Not not this exterior stuff I'm doing, because we can do all this exterior stuff and still be dead in our spirit. We can still be doing all this exterior stuff and still hold grudges and bitterness and gossip and do all these other things that are not life-producing things that the Spirit produces in the life of a believer. What Paul says, those things that are being produced in the life of a believer are the ones that are going to keep you from becoming conceited. It's going to keep you humble. You're going to be able to offer forgiveness to one another. See, that's life in the Spirit. And the sad part is I know so many people that think they're so mature in Christ but yet they hold on to bitterness and they hold on to these and their gossips and they do all this other stuff. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not matching up. Yeah, you may look good on the outside. You may know to say the right things. You may know you may have a lot of Bible knowledge. But you know what? Whip de do da day if you're not living it out in your life through the fruit of the spirit? Let's be careful here, people. You can spout off a lot of theology. Know your end times. Know all this other stuff. But, you know, I know a lot of people like that, but they're not living by the spirit. They're puffed up with their own knowledge. And they're not using that knowledge to actually serve one another and to cause them to be humble before the Lord. Let's be careful. Are you hanging fruit, live fruit on a dead branch? Doesn't work. If we're truly being led by the spirit, if we are truly being led by the spirit, if we are truly spirit filled people that are yielding to the spirit of God, This is what Paul says. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out for you will be uh, destroyed by each other. Verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And I love, let me reiterate verse one again. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Over and over again, he says, brothers, verse 13, my brothers, you were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. Let me ask you a question. How are you serving today? Because if you're led by the spirit, you're going to be serving. You're going to be serving your brother. You're going to be doing things that's going to be leading to unity, not disunity. That's a life that's being led by the spirit of Christ, Paul says. Here's the takeaway. What areas of your life do you actually see the spirit growing? And what areas of your life do you see yourself struggling with? What are you doing to chase after God in these areas. And so let God humble you in those areas. Listen, we're all a work in progress, aren't we? We all make mistakes. And so when we realize those shortcomings that I'm allowing myself, listen, listen just be accountable. Listen to your spouse, husbands and wives. Listen to your spouse. Man, is, is there things in my life that you see that are not lining up Not to beat each other up, not to hold it over their head, not to point, I was going to pick the stick up again, not to point the stick at them, but to realize, say, yeah, this isn't matching up. This is something that I need to allow God to humble me in my life, right? It's it's not to use as leverage to put the other person down, but my prayer for you is that you'll be yielding yourself to the spirit because when you do that, God will reveal to you those things that you need to work on in your life. And so the way we yield to the spirit is by saying, God, I want to immerse myself in your word. And as I get along with you in prayer, I want to yield myself to you so that you can speak to me. I want to be around other believers. I want to be in the body of Christ. I want to be in church because I I want to put myself in a place where you can speak to my heart. There's about 25 different podcasts I listen to. A lot of them are some are leadership things. A lot of them are other pastors that I listen to. And sometimes I'll be jogging and a pastor will say something. And it, it, it's a zinger. You ever had a zinger where it just zings you in the heart? And I'm like, oh, man, that is so me. And I'll stop there in the middle of my jog, get on my knees in the middle of the street and just pray a car doesn't hit me. No, I just, I say, God, that's me. You, 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 you use that word to speak to my heart in an area that's deficient. Thank you for loving me so much that you speak to my heart because I don't want to be ignorant to that. I don't want to be hardened. I don't want to justify my actions. I want to be, I want to yield to your spirit. Amen. That's how you walk in freedom. So Lord Jesus, as we just bow before you today, as we just close in song today, God, we just need you. Jesus, you didn't come into this world to condemn us, but to lead us out into freedom. And Paul, your letter, as you address to the Galatians, is, is one of freedom, saying, listen, don't be led by the law. That's just going to lead you back into the yoke of slavery again. But yield yourself to the Spirit, which brings life and joy and happiness and freedom that you desire to give to every believer here. So I pray, God, that we would be a people that would be obedient to you, that would yield to what you want. Thank you that, that Paul got very specific there so that we know if there's something that is wayward in my heart that we can ask for forgiveness and align ourselves once again with your desires. And I pray, God, this is we close today, close this series out. I pray that our desire for you would grow that we would want you more than anything else. And Lord, thank you that, Lord, the things that we leave behind us, we know that they need to be replaced in knowing you because if it's not, we're we're just gonna exchange it for some other meaningless thing. So God, help our pursuit be one that completely pursues Jesus Christ. So I thank you for your words today. Thank you for correcting us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us today. Thank you that you don't give up on us. That that the work of sanctification is a process. Thank you, Lord, for your patience in our lives. Let Let us show that to other Christians, other believers, people in the world, Lord. Let us be people that are full of your grace and the forgiveness that you've given us. We love you, we thank you, and we ask these